the College Planning Edge. Multiply your odds of getting into your dream college and get your hands on thousands of dollars of fat, juicy scholarships. Brought to you by Lockwood College Prep, helping college-bound families get the edge in college admissions, financial aid, scholarships, and test prep. Good morning, Andy Lockwood, Lockwood College Prep. This is our monthly client-only bonus video, which we call Here's What You Should Be Doing Now. Um, this month, I'm going to be talking about Here's What You Should Be Doing Now. If you have a senior and a junior and younger, I'm also going to add a special bonus to the bonus video for 11th graders called Here's What You Should Not Be Doing Next Year. <laughs> Here's what you should not be doing a year from now. And that is going to be um, based largely on the experiences that we have uh, been through heading into November 1 deadlines, which were three days ago. A lot of unforced errors and fake deadlines, fake emergencies. Uh, so I want to spend a little bit of time talking about that. But first, basically, to you know, just to let you know, um, that doesn't have to be this way. And if you follow our lead and our system, things won't be stressful. Okay. Um, so, so we are recovering from the November 1 deadlines. That's uh, partially why I didn't really get ready for prime time for this video. But I usually get them out on November 1, uh, on the first of the month, I should say. And I delayed a couple of days just because I needed some time to recover. So um, if you are a senior, um, by now, a lot of college applications have been filed in advance of November 1 early action, or in some cases, early decision deadlines. There may be some that are coming up for November 15th. If that's the case, you'll note that in your common application. One of the other things you should note are, it's not just about filling out an application, it's about figuring out what the other requirements are. So some colleges have supplemental essays, some colleges want you to self-report your grades and scores by filling out a SRAR, S-R-A-R, self-reported academic record, I believe. Um, you don't wanna leave those things to the last minute you want to make sure that you're on top of all this stuff um, long in advance. So this is a combination of advice, last minute advice for 12th graders, but also advice for rising uh, 12th graders, meaning kids in 11th grade. Um, after you file your applications, you should monitor your emails. You should log into prospective client portals as they get assigned by the colleges that you apply to. Not every college will assign you a portal, um, but those that do, you definitely want to log in there for a couple of reasons. One, to monitor to see if there's any other information that they need from you. Frequently, this happens. It doesn't mean you made a mistake necessarily. It just means that they want more stuff from you. But the other reason is to demonstrate that you are interested. Colleges track this stuff. We're in the world of big data, um, thanks to Zuck and Bayes and people like that. And um, as long as we're still in this universe, not a meta universe, the rules are that colleges only want to admit kids they think they have a reasonable shot at landing or convincing to attend those colleges. 
So if you apply to a college and they assign you a login for their portal and you never go in there, guess what the message is that you are sending to that college? Right. You are not that interested in that college. So it's very important to do that for those two reasons. Um, some colleges, not, not as many as they used to, as, the, as, as used to be the case, will offer interviews or suggest that you schedule an interview. Most of these interviews are no longer with admissions people, admissions officers, because they're so busy. The average admissions officer reviews something like a thousand applications each year. Um, most interviews nowadays are with alumni. So you might as well do it. Not that alum, the alumnus or the alumna that you speak to has any sway because they really don't uh, over the decision to admit you or to deny you, but it does show interest. So you should absolutely seek out those opportunities. Again, most colleges may not offer those, but for the ones that do, uh, you should certainly avail yourself of that opportunity to, to again, convince the college's that you're applying to that you are seriously interested in attending if they do in fact admit you. Okay, let's talk about financial aid. Um, Pearl has been slaving away, practically literally, working harder than your typical farm animal, and cuter, um, to get everyone's financial aid applications out for review. For Again, I'm talking about seniors. She's had some obstacles. Number one, the websites themselves, the FAFSA site is up and down intermittently, extremely aggravating for Pearl. If she can only send out two or three drafts each day when she's got more than 250 to 300 families that she is uh, preparing financial aid applications for. Um, the other obstacle is a lot of parents are, and I'm not accusing anyone individually here, but a lot of parents are getting bogged down in the in the weeds and nitpicking things that um, really don't need to be nitpicked or um, or giving different information than she's asking for. So let me give a few examples of what I'm talking about. If um, Pearl sends you a list of seven questions to answer, how much do you have in the bank? Number one. Number two, how much do you have in your investments, not including stuff in the bank, et cetera, et cetera. That should all be responded to with one email. And all seven questions that she's asking should be responded to, not three or four, not, oh, I think we have this, but in two weeks we're going to spend some money and uh, redoing our kitchen and then the balance is going to drop to this. No, just just give one answer, and and that's it. And give and give accurate answers. Um, don't get bogged down in minutia. Yes, ask questions, but remember she's juggling hundreds of files, and all this is going to do is slow down, uh, slow her down in getting this out, and possibly miss a deadline for you, which she's never done. But that's what you're that's what you're risking. Um, after you file, okay. This is what I wanted to get to. After you file, you will feel potentially like you're being bombarded with additional questions from the colleges. Um, you might get some sort of notice of a correction, quote unquote, uh, other notices that you need to provide information, some of which you may have already provided. 
it's going to be a little confusing and cortisol level raising, but just remember most of the stuff you get has already been handled and anything that is new is not necessarily a mistake because many times after Perl files your FAFSA and your CSS profile and other any other forms that are required, the college will then subsequently request additional information. It's not because something is missing necessarily. Um, then they make mistakes also. They send out blast emails that will say something like, you need to file your FAFSA. We saw that you applied for admission. And that might come in December and you might be alarmed and thinking, wait a minute, I thought this was all filed in October or November and wonder what the heck happened. So number one, you have filing receipts. Every, every time Pearl files something, you actually get the receipts sent your emails. That's one thing. Number two, you have the logins to the FAFSA and the CSS profile because they're yours and you created them. Uh, we don't create them. We do everything you know above board here. Um, and number three, um, chances are you're, you're not reading the rest of the email which is really the fault of the, uh, the Department of Education because most of the time in those emails where it says, now it's time to file your FAFSA at the very bottom and says, if you've already filed your FAFSA, disregard this email. So remain calm. Nothing is fatal or deadly. You don't have to panic uh, about anything. And even if something does happen, that is a mistake. Let's say, for example, you gave Pearl originally the written list that we require on our form of 12 colleges, and then you later added a couple of colleges and didn't tell us about it, those new colleges will not have received any financial aid applications. It doesn't happen automatically. That's why we say very specifically, send us the list. And if you add any schools, send us a new list with a, you know, a written document that we uh, provide just the way your colleges, your, uh, your high schools do for um, to send out transcripts. Anyway, if you made a mistake like that, we can always send them the uh, the actual financial aid applications that you thought you were sending. And most of the time, it's not a big deal. They still will consider your application. So nothing is fatal in financial aid. There's no real emergency. Um, we're not cardiologists or bail bondsmen or people like that who have real emergencies. Uh, we, we certainly don't. But um, make sure that you monitor everything. And if your kids are involved, they need to monitor everything too. They need to, yes, actually check their emails, please. Not only for stuff from the college admissions offices, uh, but also for financial aid, just in case they're being sent stuff also. All right, let's talk about the timing. When should you hear back with actual offers from, uh, from colleges for merit scholarships and need-based financial aid? So if you applied uh, early decision, the binding one, which is not really binding, by the way. You your, your deadline was either, it's already happened, November 1, or it might be coming up in the next few days. Typically, early decision decisions come back somewhere in the beginning of December, approximately 30 days after your deadline to apply. If you are admitted, then you will also receive a financial aid offer if you applied for aid typically two or three days right after, so also mid-December. If, um, uh, if you get admitted and that college offers merit aid, that college offer of scholarships should also come either simultaneously with the offer of admission or two or three days later. 
the reason I said early decision isn't really binding is because nobody, uh, including colleges, can force you to pay full price to go to college. Just because you they admitted you doesn't mean you have to go. If you take a look at the early decision agreement, it says, not even in the fine print, it's in the paragraph, it spells out if you get in, but you decide that the financial aid offer is not adequate, you can get out of your early decision agreement. I'm not quoting it, but that's sum and substance of what it says. You typically have two or three weeks, sometimes more, to negotiate or appeal that award. So you might have until the middle of January, again, I'm talking about early decision people, to uh, to try to get more money out of them. And then if you don't, which is sadly typically the case because you don't have much leverage at all, um, typically, when you apply early decision, then you decide whether to uh, accept the offer and pay whatever price they are telling you to pay, or you can get out of your agreement. And it's, there's no independent standard. You, you don't have to prove that you can't afford it. Uh, you are totally, completely sole judge and jury. It's totally up to you. Your guidance counselors may not tell you this, by the way, because uh, they their agenda is not only to help you, but it's also to protect next year's cohort of kids who might apply to that college. And they don't necessarily want to be known as, you know, a school that has kids back out of their early decision uh, agreements, even though that's really not what they're doing. So they have their own agenda. So that's why you may not have heard about this uh, nuance to early decision. Okay. If you played early action, uh, you may hear back early, but typically um, many schools don't let you know early uh, in terms of your, in terms of getting in. Um, and then, in terms of getting money. So if you apply early action in November, the theory is that you'll hear back earlier, but some schools may drag that out till February or March. Um, in terms of aid, need-based aid offers will come out at the regular time, which is not until March or April, typically, whether you apply early action or regular decision. And if you are being awarded merit aid, merit scholarships, those typically come either simultaneously with the offer of admission or two or three days or a week or so later. And if you don't hear back um, from merit aid, I would just, you know, if you don't get an offer for merit aid um, and then in the week or two after you found out that you were admitted, I would uh, have your students, your, your kid, um, email the admissions office and say, hey, um, just making sure uh, about my eligibility for any type of merit aid, you know, can you please let me know? Most colleges don't have extra applications for merit aid. Some do. So you've got to be on the lookout for that as well. Um, Wash U in St. Louis has a separate application for the, uh, the I think it's the Danforth um, scholarship. I believe that's the same Danforth family that produced um, Dan Quayle. I think he was, I think that's his middle name, former vice president. Um <laughs> So, so again, monitor your, your emails and requirements, but also understand that just because you apply early action doesn't mean you're going to find out everything early. All right. S uh, switching gears to advice for 11th graders. I'm, I'm on the heels of a particularly rough cycle with, uh, with, with seniors. It's, it's, I think parents were crazier than ever this year and, I wrote an email and posted something on my Facebook page um, about this 
yesterday. I've already gotten some offended, negative blowback from clients. But uh, I cause them like I see them. And what I was referring to is a couple things. Number one, it's it bothers my mind that kids who started working on essays in June and July with us, um, even uh, till today, November 4th, still haven't um, finished their essays. Some haven't even you know, done more than a draft. Uh, that's ridiculous. I'm sorry. Um, and I, as a parent, I'd be nervous if that's the case with my kid, whether he's ready to go to college. So that's um, number one. So when we start working on essays with you, you 11th graders next summer, you know, we're, the, the goal is to finish them by the end of the summer. And there's really no reason why that can't happen. We do all kinds of one-on-one -on -one meetings. We have boot camps. There's so many opportunities. Um, please avail yourself of them. And, and by the way, I'm only talking about uh, maybe five or six clients who I, I feel, uh, you know, totally dropped the ball here. Um, the second thing is, Essays are written by kids. We don't write essays. We've had some parents ask us to. We don't um, for a couple of reasons. One, I just think it's gross. Uh, two, missions officers can tell when a Pulitzer Prize winner is you know, uh, produced by a kid who has a 92 average in, in English. Um, the third thing, the, the bigger picture is this whole process, for us at least, and this is what makes us different and not right for everybody, as college advisors, it's really not about college. It's really about helping kids be successful um, in life, not just the four years of college, but the 40 or 50 years afterward. So we can coach and help kids acquire these skills, including how to speak and write persuasively, because that's really what you're doing when you're writing essays. Um, if a parent steps in and either asks us to write something or they start writing essays for the kid, what, what that does is it, it, um, it neuters the child, it, it stunts their growth. And let's say, God forbid, right, um, that they actually get in to the dream college, that they, you know, kind of had to bend rules and uh, beg, borrow and steal and scratch and claw their way to get into only because someone else stepped in and did everything for them or did 90% of it for that applicant. Then they're going to feel like a fraud, you know, like crap about themselves because they feel like they're going to feel like they didn't deserve to get in. And by the way, that may, that thought may, may not be up here, you know, in their conscious, it might be in their subconscious, but it's not great. Uh, it's not a great message. And that's not where the insecurities will end. Uh, I promise you. So the best, um, in, in my opinion, and I'm an, I am a parent, but I'm a, an amateur pop psychologist. But I think the best thing that we can all do for our kids is to help them, but not cross the line and do it for them because that is actually counterproductive. It is not helpful. It's, it's the opposite. So, um, so just bear this in mind, back of your mind, as we continue working together, you 11th graders and 10th graders and so forth that, um, you know, we're, we're all about helping kids become successful young adults successful and productive young adults. We can coach just like an athletic coach. I played basketball. I played college basketball. Uh, when a coach told me, you know, in probably in uh, fifth or sixth grade, you know, forward, okay, if you want to get good, Lockwood, what you need to do uh, is shoot 100 foul shots, you know, every, every day over the summer. You know, I did that for the most part. And if I didn't, it wasn't the coach's fault. It was my fault. If I didn't see the results, um, 
of, of improving my foul shooting, then it wasn't anyone else's fault but me. You've got to do the work. You've got to be coachable. So um, that helped get, get the results that I was looking for. I was the uh, best foul shooter on my high school team. I shot all the technical fouls, and I ended up you know, getting recruited to play uh, Division three basketball. Play was not exactly what happened after that, uh, <laughs> but that's a whole other story. So um, I will end this, uh, this session here on that note just because – I feel like it's necessary not to lose track of our real job as parents. It's not to just get the kids, our kids into a rear window sticker college so that we can brag about them or feel good that we did a good job parenting them. It's really about launching them for success as people, as real human beings, whatever that success looks like. It may not mean going to Harvard. It might mean going to community college for a couple of years. It might mean taking a gap year. It might mean going to a college that's, in between a community college and Harvard, you know, who cares? It's, it's, it's more about growth and setting them up to be successful. However you define that and they define that. All right. Thanks for joining us, uh, being part of our little family here at college guru nation on behalf of the overworked Pearl and me, as well as, uh, Christine, who's been doing, um, incredible, work supporting us this year and you guys. And if you're working with uh, Tessa or Nick or Beth or Jeff, you, uh, hopefully you're having a, a great experience with them. They too are more than pulling their weight, helping me with the college advising stuff and essays and applications or Sarah uh, also. I hope I didn't forget anyone. Chris, uh, we've a, we've a team behind us and um, they've really stepped up during the crunch time also. So thanks for being, uh, on behalf of everyone, thanks for being a part of our little merry band of college-bound parents and families. And I will deliver this uh, transcription via the um, monthly newsletter that goes out. And we'll do another one of these workshops next month at the beginning of the month. Have a great month, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the College Planning Edge podcast. For more information about our Inner Circle Group Coaching Membership, which is a great way to dip your toes in the water of the whole college planning morass, um, and get access to our double-secret software, College Guru software, that helps you create a strategic list of colleges and identify fat, juicy, merit aid, and need-based aid opportunities as well as some other benefits, check out the Lockwood Inner Circle at lockwoodinnercircle.com and use the coupon code PODCAST for 50% off the first month's membership. Thanks for listening.